0: Thank you for listening to the Forefront Church Podcast. We are a gospel-driven church in southwest Denver. Our focus is to help people find their way back to God. We do this through loving God, loving others, so that together we can change the world. This show is hosted by Pastor Drew Tarwater, and I'm Rob Lazi. Thanks for joining us. Hey,
1: Rob, how are you doing tonight?
0: Hey, doing great. We got a special guest with us tonight.
1: We do, yeah. We're just really pleased to have Matt Jones. Matt, you are the assistant professor of, Theot- of New Testament at um, Colorado Christian University. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us thanks on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I
2: appreciate it, yeah. Well,
1: you know, Matt, one of the cool things that at Forefront, we have a, a lot of our, our Forefront family that um, either went to CCU or oh, worked at cool. CCU, so All right. I know we have a lot of folks that, that know you personally, but for those that don't, we would love to maybe have you tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, my, again, my name is Matt Jones. I uh, have been married to my wife for 23 years. We have three kids, two we like, <laughs> and uh, it just kind of varies which day and which kid that is. Yeah, they're, that. Uh, they're 16. Uh, Hannah's 16. My son Tyler is 13 and Kinsey's 11. And uh, I've been at CCU for 13 years, 10 of them in student life. And then the last three full-time faculty teaching New Testament, Old Testament, interpreting the Bible a few more other cl- a few more classes so it's it's been great love it love the students at ccu and uh hope to hope to get to do that for quite a while
1: that is really cool yeah. so, so tell us a little bit about um about how you got into uh this the, the field you're in and how you got into to becoming a oh my professor.
2: how long do we have <laughs> uh <laughs> we so got all night. yeah we got all great i <laughs> uh, just had some wings so uh thank you for those no we um when i was about 16, 17 years old, um, my youth pastor uh, was extremely influential in my life, and um, he said, uh, I think you have some giftings and some talents in terms of discipleship and investing in students, and just spent some time praying and and utilizing those gifts and skills and talents and realized, I I really just want to help people get to know God, so I really appreciate the purpose of this uh, that you all are doing. And uh, went to a small Christian college in Dayton, Tennessee, Bryan College, uh, to study Christian education, be a youth pastor. And uh, just kind of with this back reminder that um, people can get to know the God of the universe. They actually can in a personal way. And so pursued that, was a youth pastor for about three and a half years, and uh, it was not a great situation. And so took a break from that. And went back to uh, Tennessee, uh, where my wife was a resident director, and I just was working on my master's and doing grounds. And we realized that she and I, as a couple, have some giftings and ability to work with college students. And so pursued education for, for quite a while uh, with my master's at Dallas Theological and then my Ph.D. at uh, Regent University uh, while I was working at CCU. Yeah. And really, had an, again, had a uh, fruitful ministry. Uh, there at CCU, and uh, teaching, speaking, uh, and of course, doing my full-time job there at CCU, and and just really kept coming back to this concept of, okay, God's gifted you to teach, God's gifted you to work with college students, and just continually having students get to know God more. Um, And so, uh, by by either a mistake or grace of God, sometimes those are hard (laughs) to tell, to distinguish, uh, between the two, I, uh, got to move into full-time faculty and, uh, really drive home. Hey, you can get to know God. Here are some ways it's not a formula. And, uh, if you, uh, know the triune God of the universe, right. It's going to impact every aspect of your life. Amen. So, um, it, it, it's been a lot of fun to help students think about what they believe and why. Yeah. Um, So so that's one of my missions whenever I'm in a classroom.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Matt, thanks for kind of sharing your journey on that. And we're, we're so excited to have you on this podcast. One of the things that, Rob, you and I talk about quite a bit is really the purpose of this podcast is to meet people where they are. Absolutely, you know, and and to be a supplement to you know to the church to our church family, and just to add depth to what we talk about on Sundays, and create opportunities for people to to learn more, to dive deeper, and to grow in their faith.
0: I'm just glad we got Matt here. We've got a you know kind of cornered here, and we've put wings in him, so he has to that's answer right, any questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm glad we got that's here. Exactly right. So, so here's a question. For this is the one I've been thinking about a lot, Matt. Especially more recently, we kind of talked about it a little briefly. Is like, how do you kind of like tie the because n- you have Old Testament background as well. So what I'm the big question is like how do we tie like know what we should follow in the Old Testament and how it ties the New Testament with grace and fulfillment of what Jesus has done for us and that what in the next can you give me an answer in about 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Go.
2: Well, yeah, I, I think it's important. One of the points I drive home uh, when I teach Old Testament is the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New. And the, the covenant the way in which he has uh, made that promise between God and humankind has adjusted. So you have the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic and the Davidic, but even before the Abrahamic covenant set up, that covenant, well, excuse me, as God is ratifying, I should say, that uh, Abrahamic covenant of uh, promise of a land, promise of descendants, and of course, blessings. Um, He makes very clear in in Genesis 15, 6 that the righteousness that Abraham needed, that humankind needed to be in relationship with God, comes through faith. And Paul reinforces that in Romans 4. And James reinforces that in Romans 2. And so Old Testament and New Testament, how you are in relationship with God is by faith. Okay? And, and, And we have to keep that in mind in terms of God's redemptive character is the same in the old as the new. And in addition, I, I make this point quite a bit in class. The third part of the Abrahamic covenant is that you're going to be a blessing to all nations. See, some folks get confused about the, what go, was what going on in the Old Testament and thinking, well, God only cared about the Jewish people or just the Hebrews. And, and that is a misunderstanding of what's going on in the Old Testament. The design was... Your seed, your descendants, are going to be a blessing to all nations. And of course, if you have some knowledge of Israelite history, uh, Israel means wrestles with God. They wrestle with God a lot and uh, fail to fulfill their role. And so, um, as as part of that Abrahamic covenant, and so Christ comes. And it's interesting how Matthew begins. Jesus the Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David, makes that connection, connecting him to not only Davidic covenant, right, but also the Abrahamic. But how does Matthew end? With the Great Commission. Go into all the nations. And if we understand the gospel, the good news that's uh, talked about in the Old Testament, Isaiah 61, and then reinforced and proclaimed as a result of the new, the good news, Old Testament and New, is that God is restoring that vertical relationship between himself and humankind. And we're pretty good in evangelical Christian churches talking about that piece. We want you to experience peace with God. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of times we leave out is the horizontal piece of the gospel. If you look in Luke 4 and you look at the gospel of Luke, one of the things that Jesus is clearly doing is he is working towards restoring life to people here on earth now right. and as that horizontal restoration occurs where rob drew or should i call you pastor drew drew's P- pd drew's good okay <laughs> and i are in fellowship what christ has done what christ has taught in, uh has implications in terms of we can actually be at peace with one another and my guess is no matter who's listening they have relationships where they're not at peace and in the old testament and the new god is trying to restore peace not only between himself and us but providing the principles and the standards for us to do that with one another and that's the i think that's the twofold part of the gospel that as i work with gen z folks as i am overcoming my time with millennials okay i'm just kidding i love millennials all right they want to see yes you know, God's an important thing, but they want to see how this gospel changes the world around them now. Yeah. I mean, they, they want that. And we as a church have to do a better job of articulating that the gospel is actually both. And then how do we live that out? Because if you're connecting with one another because we're creating the image of God, we're cre- cre- mm, we are connecting with what God designed us for in the Old Testament and the New so does that answer
0: your question? Not in 30 seconds. Does that help? It, yeah, no, I, I like Like the, I would say something, one of the other, like the follow-up question after that is like, when you, like, I have a lot of friends or a couple of friends that were, or I don't know what the, How many friends not, the not ma- two or th- <laughs> I only got two or three outside of this room, not including, my, not including my mom and dad. No. <laughs> yeah no it's work working government no <laughs> but uh a few friends that are is like they really follow like the jewish law and the rules in their christianity they believe in christ but then they also really follow the old testament even like the celebrations and things like that where it's like you know it's easy to go like hey the new testament grace don't worry about the old testament what But we still quote the Old Testament and when we go, hey, we're trying to say this is why we should love our neighbor because X, Y, Z in the Old Testament. So is the Old Testament a source for our beliefs today or is it a more history to sort of show what the New Testament's fulfilled?
2: Do we want to let Drew answer that one first or (laughs) not?
0: Oh, man.
1: man.
2: Well, again, I, I, you know, I think you all probably y'all ought to defer to Pastor Drew on that because there's there's different views right there's the understanding that hey we can disregard the old testament laws and standards um another view is okay i can i should honor i should obey the the old testament laws that are repeated in the new testament okay uh another view is okay the um we have the 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 moral laws we have the civil laws and then we have the ceremonial okay and and really, because of what Christ did on the cross, we don't have to worry about the, the ceremonial laws. We should take into account the civil ones, but the moral ones are pretty consistent. And then the last view is, okay, here are these Old Testament uh, standards, uh, 613 of them. And uh, you look at them and say, okay, here's the principle. Here's the principle that's being taught here that we have to look at it in a pantemporal way. In other words, okay, there's a principle here that's a truth in terms of how we should be treating to one another and responding to God. And I need to pull out what that pantemporal truth is and figure out, okay, I'm not going to honor the letter of the law there, but I am going to honor the principle that is applicable to us no matter what time period, and and I just have to capitalize on on, on something right here, so uh, you you need to talk to Pastor Drew (coughs) about which view you want to hold there, but those are the four primary views in terms of engaging that. I I think it's really important that we keep in mind throughout what we're saying tonight is that Scripture was not written to us, but for us, okay? So none of the three of us sitting here are first century Ephesians whenever Paul's writing to the Ephesians. Okay? They're dealing with issues that we're not wrestling with. Uh I mean, I don't know anybody that's really worshiping the god Artemis or the goddess Artemis right now. Okay? At least in Denver. They're, of course, I don't know everybody in Denver, but the <laughs> but um if we Recognize that scripture is not written to us but for us. We have to put on a different lens whenever we're reading both the Old and the New Testament and step back and look at it from their perspective the best we can because that starts to mitigate some of the difficulties we face. I mean, it really says, okay, one of my favorite passages is Romans 16 where it says, greet each other with a holy kiss. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think uh, Drew's that's right. Uh, That's just not. That's right. But, I mean, if we're going to be legalistic, or th- you're not obeying what Romans says, right? But if we understand that it's not written to us, but for us, there's some cultural things that are going on that suggest, okay, I'm not going to kiss Drew, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> However, I am going to figure out in our culture, in our time, what it means to connect with him in a way that demonstrates I care.
1: So, Matt, you know, one of the... the 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 things I love about theology is that it opens up that context for us. So we can bridge context. We can see, you know, what in what light was the Old Testament or the New Testament author writing? And as we can understand that, when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he's speaking to a town that would have understood military language, and so he's writing right. with so much military language that we may not pick up in our own day and time and i think that's the importance of understanding and being able to read the bible for all it's worth and as you've said before reading it not just literally but literarily um so so talk a little bit about just um theology in general why why study theology and how does theology take us from maybe becoming just casual Bible readers who read our, our annual scripture plan and check the box yeah. to being able to read scripture for all it's worth and, and truly understanding the context and what God is telling us.
2: As you did a good job pointing out, theology is the study of God, right? And um, I remember I had a professor at, at Dallas. His name was Dr. Jeffrey Bingham, and he convinced me of this. He said, you know, the most important thoughts you think are about God because they impact every aspect of your life. And it's really good. Yeah. I mean, it it, and and as I've been thinking about that and and challenging students with that thought for years, I'm more and more convinced of it. Uh, So, for example, uh, Scripture says, love your uh, wife as Christ loved the church. And I'm just like, well, of course, Jesus is a member of the Trinity. And so therefore, he's God. Uh, My understanding of who God is affects how I treat my wife.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm more and more convinced (laughs) that people's poor understanding of the character and nature of God, especially for us as men, uh, is leading to some broken marriages Mm. because it is affecting how we are or are not treating our spouses. I mean, if you really were to press Mm. some of the guys and say, "Okay, what does it mean for Christ?" to love the church what's that mean for you and your wife well he's forgiving and he's loving and he serves oh there's so much more so much more
1: actually gave his life to the church
2: but but even yes absolutely and 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 i've really tried to spend some time drilling down on that so one of the examples i like to use is matthew 16 it says upon this rock i will build my church Mm -hmm. okay so jesus says who's going to build the church he is, he is. That's right? right? And he's not going to let the gates of hell prevail against it. So I wonder if men would take more of the mentality, first of all, not at the expense of, but with the uh, cooperation and working with my wife and honoring her, we're going to build this family. But then on top of it, I'm not going to let the gates of hell let, yep, at all destroy my family. That's right. So whatever things are coming in that potentially could lead to the destruction of my family, I'm going to do everything in my power to protect it. Yeah, everything. And if that means I have to give up television shows, if I have to give up sports, if I have to give up whatever it is to save and redeem, be a part of the redemptive work of my family, what I got to do that. Yeah. And, and there's, there's other practical ways. So back to the, the point, man, your study and understanding the character and nature of God, I, I think affects everything, how you raise your kids, how you handle your work, how you deal with guilt versus conviction how you deal with shame versus conviction your understanding of of really love yeah and so um i i man if you allow it to and even if you don't it affects every aspect of your life
1: it does and i, and I think it gets to the point of us you know making you making the statement and helping one another understand that we have to take god's word seriously and the study bit seriously yeah. you know because you look at second at timothy three sixteen, 16 right where, you know what, what does Paul tell Timothy? He says that God's, you know, that that all of Scripture is God breathed. It's mm-hmm. inspired for for life, and it, it equips us for life. It gives us everything we need to to live a life of faith, and but also as you just so well articulated to love one another to love our families and, and to to be a good worker and every aspect of being a you know a member of of our communities and so taking seriously the understanding of that god's word does equip me for life helps me to see that the study of god's word theology the study of god will open the door to help me to be able to live the life i was created for
0: can i throw a wrench in this because when you want to hear like you know you're supposed to love your neighbor love your wife all the things which is great 100 percent agree but i see the word love being hijacked by culture where it's like how do we define love cuz like if you say love aren't love these people but what does that mean when it comes down you know to the reality of it because you know you know you, you guys will say love means this but then the, your neighbor will say love means that how do we define the difference and you know not lose that uh, definition
2: Yeah, I think that's a a big challenge, and I actually talk about that with students because I think the word love is, first of all, misused and misunderstood to think, hey, if I love you, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. And I just, I I really struggle with that in so many ways. Um, I I understand love is the uh, combination of grace and truth. We've done a good job. Well, I want to be careful with that. I, I think we have emphasized grace, but it's been at the expense of truth. I grew up in an area where we emphasize truth at the expense of grace, mm. and, and they have to be held in tension. And it's, it's interesting you bring that up because we, we talked about that today in class, that uh, well, what do we mean by, by love? And we actually went through, you guys are familiar with 1 John 4. It says God is love but if you actually look up in scripture if you just put in Bible gateway God is and then look at it's a lot of other things God is just God is holy God is a righteous judge God is merciful God is compassionate and what we have to understand is love includes all those things
1: that's right it
2: it it <laughs> it is it's not an isolated concept of what a person is so if i really love rob and um or let me put it like like, like this if i say that uh, i love rob and i punch him in the face i'm not gonna punch <laughs> you in the face tonight rob okay at <laughs> least take your glasses off yeah him, at right. <laughs> <laughs> and first of all in our culture we're saying well everything's relative mm. they're recognizing wait a minute that would not be a uh, a element of love. And <laughs> I point this out to our students. I, what I'm excited about Generation Z is I think they've realized that relativism doesn't work. Mm. But there's a tension for them. Yeah. That, okay, I know it is wrong if you punch uh, Rob in the face. But I'm so afraid of the consequence of standing up for, to you and telling you're wrong or i'm so afraid of being a snitch that even though i know it's wrong
0: i I'm don't gonna know if i'm going to stand closed. up and do about
2: it yeah because i know that is not an act of love mm. but i'm not willing to admit that another act of love is saying jones you should not punch rob in the face yeah because i'm and and, and so I'm excited about this generation recognizing relativism doesn't work. I mean, you just turn on the news, and they know sexual harassment, sexual misconduct is wrong. Yep. Nobody should be treated that way. But what are we going to do to help them have the ability to stand up and say this is wrong without it coming across as being judgmental? Yeah, that's good. And so I think we have to do a better job of training folks to say, look, knowing theology, knowing God, coming back to your question, it actually is designed to bring life.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, right. as
2: I look at all the commands of the New Testament, I have not with the old, there is not a single command that I can think of that I've come across that is not designed to make life better hmm. here. That's right. Yeah. And, and so if that is the case, then how do we get people to get to the point of saying, look, this is wrong because even our government is saying what, if you see something, say something, That's right?
1: Speak up. I
2: mean, so how are we going to help help make that connection to help you realize, look, if, if there's something wrong out there because we know there is, how do we help people navigate? I am loving you Mm -hmm. by calling you out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, and, and Rob, you bring up that the term has been hijacked by culture, you know. And we, we when we see, um, I think we see that in, in other facets of the church. Matt, what would you say are some of maybe, maybe some of the main theological issues facing the church at this time? I know there's probably a laundry list, but if there was one or two that stood out to you,
2: oh man, uh, I so. Positively, I think we have got to, as I mentioned before, we've got to do a better job communicating the gospel as both the vertical mm, and horizontal. Yeah, it's good. And figuring out how do we navigate that. So, a, a, as a result of that, well, how do we navigate the LBGTQ issue? Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm far from an expert in that. But that, again, that is that challenge of, well, I love that person. Well, even Taylor Swift, our friend Taylor Swift, she has a song called State of Grace, right? Mm. And she's talking about it and she goes, uh, This is a state of grace. This is the worthwhile fight. Love is a ruthless game unless you play it good and right. Mm. So here's Taylor Swift even acknowledging there are standards within which a relationship needs to occur. Now, I'm not sure she would apply that to our LGBTQ issues out there that we're wrestling through, but even she is acknowledging there is a right way to be in a loving relationship. Yeah. So, therefore, there is a foundation for us to be able to discuss some of these things, okay? Uh, I think, really, the loss of 18 to 30-year-olds in the church Mm -hmm. is ginormous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it has to be that way. Um, but loss of 18 to 30 year olds, um, is just, it, it just, it breaks my heart. Um, and then I probably would just, (laughs) I would probably just add, so evangelism, um, sexual identity issues, loss of the 18 to 30 year olds. And last but not least, people, people just don't know what they believe and why. Yeah. I mean, I, I. And 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 because they don't know what they believe and why, they can't articulate it. And I don't think people expect, whenever you're just having a conversation, for a person to have a PhD or a, a master's or, or whatnot, I think they just want to experience what it means to be loved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's good.
2: But we're not able to say, well, he, here's why mm. what love is. Yeah. Here's why I believe it, and, and what we're seeing on television, what we're hearing in the news, uh, it has been hijacked, and we have to understand the character and nature of God a little bit better to be able to define what love is. Yeah,
1: no, that yeah, great answer, Matt. You know, I, I Thank think um, I think you hit a lot a lot of those <laughs> nails right on the head. You know, and I think that brings us back to that initial kind of discussion point what is the value in in theology and why should why should we devote ourselves to studying and understanding it it it, part of that is so we know what we believe and why we believe it um also so we can articulate that you know uh, a couple years ago the pope came out and said hey you know we um kind of changed the, the the view of the catholic church on um you know hey we shouldn't go out and proselytize Mm-hmm. You know, and so but we look back at Jesus command for the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where he says, what does he tell us to go and yeah. and, you know, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. And so, you know, part of our understanding of who we are as a church is that, you know, Jesus, Jesus brought heaven down to us. Right. right? right. You know, the heaven, the kingdom of heaven is near. And now Jesus Christ, we are the church and we are to be able to spread that love and to point people to him. But unless we can understand why we believe, what we believe, and learn to articulate it, then can we ever truly be the church? So, yeah, I think the study of theology is so important.
2: I'll just add real quick that theology is extremely important, but God has, because of his power and his grace, the triune God has been able to overcome bad theology for Mm. 2,000 years. Amen. Now, I don't ever want to be a contributor to that or be lazy in that, so but sometimes people become so focused. Well, I gotta get this right. Okay, let let's at least try to have the conversation yeah. because I'm so afraid that I'm gonna screw something up. Believe me, God has overcome bad theology for two thousand <laughs> years. While we don't want to contribute to it, that bad theology, we can't live in fear That's right. of hindering the ability of the spirit to not only utilize but also overcome bad theology to still speak to the hearts of people because yeah. it's really the spirit. Absolutely, uh, convicting the hearts yeah. and not us. Is that well, is that fair? Yeah, it's
1: it's it's fair. And I think as you know, what what is uh, you know what do we what do we read in, in the New Testament that God says, "Hey, don't be afraid. I will give you the words to speak." You know, the Holy Spirit will give us those words at at, at those times and in the right moment. So that, that's a, that's a great point. You know, you know, Matt. One of the questions I think i'd love to get your opinion on is you know let's say i'm a I'm a new christian or i'm someone who um, maybe is getting back into the church and, and really i want to move beyond just casually reading my bible and to learn more about theology where, where do i begin you know where do i start is, is there any podcasts that you'd recommend or certain books where, where do i take those first steps
2: oh my uh that's a good question i so i just came out of a a uh, uh, Monday night and a uh, Tuesday morning here from Lee Strobel, and and really, I've read three of his Case for books, mm, all fantastic. I mean, and he's up to five now: Case so. for Faith, yeah. Case for Christ, Case for Creation, Case for Miracles. I feel like I'm Case for Easter. I think. Well, okay, so I I don't remember the exact, but those are foundational to help you understand why there is credibility to what we believe and why. Yeah. I mean, and, and in my opinion, they're really, they're, for the most part, they're really easy to read. Um, and I, I think he's not fair in terms of it's just okay, but he's fair in terms of being fair to both positions in many of those cases to help you understand, okay, here are the objections to why we're saying and believing what we're believing. But, boy, there is a lot of evidence. Mm. There's a lot of credibility. So I, I, I – Am kind of a little biased coming out of this weekend because of uh, his what I've read of his and what I've seen. Of course, watching the movie, The Case for Christ, was it was not a cheesy Christian movie yeah, not at all. It was it was good. It was good. I stayed awake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and those are what immediately uh, came to mind. And and I wish I'd I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had um, known. Uh, there is a, uh, I think it's a Knowing God. There's a Basics of Christianity also series. Um, I'm forgetting the name of that, of that. We can always put a link in the show notes. Yeah. So um, there's, a, there's a Basics of Christianity or Basics of Theology that I have found to be good for some folks. Um, That's good. The and, and that's what's coming off uh, uh, to my mind immediately. Oh, it's by Bickle and Jantz. So uh, we'll have to look that up. Yeah. I apologize. I don't know yeah. that off the top of my head.
1: No, that sounds good. Way. And we can put that in the show yep. notes. So I think it's really helpful for someone that's maybe new to the faith or reengaging in the church to say, hey, what, what steps do I take to, to, re, you know, to, to be able to start? understanding theology and you know as you begin to look it's such a I mean there's just such a wide range yep. of, of topics I can dive into where do yep. I start first so yep. that's really helpful
2: Grudem's uh, biblical doctrine is a good one yes. too yeah um, sorry my mind's just kind of kind of going through really quite a few things by Piper yeah. Uh, yeah. Desiring God Desiring is a God. really good one I, I will confess the first five chapters are extremely good and then you feel like six through ten are a little bit repetitive um, but that's a really good one. Um, Another one is yeah, C.S. Lewis' stuff, Mere Christianity. um, The Weight of Glory. Yeah, uh, The Great Divorce. Mm. I mean, Good Grief. Um, So so those are good ones. Those are, for new folks, sometimes those can be a little bit philosophical. um, But if you have some background, yeah. uh, those are great. And well, let's
1: ch- let's chase that that rabbit okay. a little bit. So let's say I'm a mature Christian and I, you know, I've been um, introduced to theology. I've been reading some great books. I've read some Lewis and I've read some Piper, but I want to dig even deeper. What would you recommend?
2: Oh my goodness! Um, honestly, I really like Bible dictionaries. Um, I mean, and oh, yeah. I know that sounds nerdy, but Um, there's a whole series put out by IVP Academic and they've got one on the Dictionary of Jesus and the Gospels they've got one on Paul and his letters they have one uh, on a lot of the Old Testament narrative and law and kings etc those are exceptional if you're coming across a thing in scripture a word or an idea that seems to be prevalent or prominent usually it's in one of those books and whenever you see that, if you just read the background, yeah, on those, it, it brings the scripture to life. It does. There's, and again, this may be where I'm a little bit too academic. So, Drew, you can go in and put some others on, on your own. But there are, there's a two volume set that I think is really accessible called the IVP Background Bible Commentary. And if you just have that right beside mm. your Bible, and you're reading a, a section of scripture. And you have that right beside it. It just brings scripture to life because you're trying to say, okay, how would have they understood this? Yeah. And it just gives some I- insights for you to put those uh, pieces together. Of course, Ravi Zacharias is, is is great when it comes to to these topics. Um, yeah,
1: anything you can get your hand on by Ravi, absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, and and so in some of my studies of upper. Division, a guy named RT France does some incredible things with with the Gospels. Um, Daryl Bach um, does some really interesting things to help us understand the credibility to not only the Gospels, but what Jesus is saying and doing. Um, And again, I can't, I'm not remembering the most recent book I've read. Those are great recommendations.
1: And I think, you know, what you said right there is it's such a simple way to get started. You know, when you when you're spending time in God's word, have that having a commentary next to you or even stepping into a good, um, a good application Bible just to kind of start. with.
2: Well, the NIV has a cultural backgrounds Bible that's excellent I gave that or recommended that to a buddy of ours at our church and he goes Matt I just I just love it yeah it just brings so much to light yep so, anyway. yeah
1: you know instead of starting off at Grudem systematic theology textbook right. you know start we'll off start with a, a good Bible commentary yep. and and move into um, as you mentioned one of the IVP uh, press b- um, commentaries yep. you know there's another really good one I like that that um, it's Christ spe- uh, Christ centered um, exposition and so they're they're actually commentaries devoted toward certain books but they've written almost in a devotional format so I think those are really good ways to uh, to kind of jump in and just get your feet wet and kind of ask you know I think the Lord will help open that um you can open
0: that truth and help bridge that context as you study his word yeah, and the study of theology here guys when you guys see a s- subject that's not specifically like say called out in the bible um like I'm, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head and whenever you try to think of one off the top of your head it never shows up but like where do you where do you go for information like that where maybe like we were talking about like we you know um sexual identification and all these you know how even a, how do you approach those people like in the sense of going show' them love, show' them Christ, all this, but when you find a subject that you're met like trying to think maybe even how they do marriage and things like that, where it's not specifically called out in the Bible, but you know, where do you guys then go for resources for things like that in the theology world? what do you think?
2: Well, um, there are uh, there there are quite a few books that are coming out on that, and um, uh, you can ask for certain catalogs from, for example, Baker Academic or IVP uh, or Erdman's or Zondervan. You can just look those up. And my observation is, in many cases, some of the top books are dealing with that issue. I would probably ask Pastor Drew in terms of which books he would recommend, which publishers he would recommend on that topic. But um, I would say that those are, those are hot, and they are really prevalent in, in uh, a lot of those catalogs
1: you know there's a couple websites that I really would recommend to Rob that I think do a lot of great work and the gospel coalition does there's a lot of there's a lot of great articles that come out that are easily readable and, and you can navigate your way through to address some of these um, you know some of these hot button topics another site that you've heard me talk about before Rob that I think is really helpful and it's extremely simple is gotquestions.org you know if you're reading through the book of first Kings and you, and you just have something that stands out to you and it doesn't make sense um, what a great resource just to dive in and say hey what a exactly exactly what Solomon going through in this situation um, and godquestions.org has a, just a plethora of resources and great articles that are short and readable but still bring so much truth to life as you dive
0: into it school night for most of us here <laughs> so but uh so then the question I want to throw at you guys is kind of the one where it's like it's not I don't know if it says anywhere in the bible exactly how to handle the situation I had some friends that you know when you're talking about I can't keep all the initials straight a lesbian friend getting married to her other lesbian Mate, I don't know what the correct term is so forgive me on my vocab if it's not proper so then they came up to me because I worked with them going would you come to our wedding so as a Christian they don't claim Christ so I'm just going to give you the full scope but if you get invited to an event like that where it's you know they're not claiming Christ they're not you know they don't but they're getting married and they want to celebrate their love together and you're a part of their life they want you to be a part of it What would be your? I know it's not a. Like, what would be your response if it's someone that you live life with too, someone you may work with, or?
1: Yeah, and that really is such a hot button topic of our day, Rob. You know, and you know, I think you know a lot of it. A lot of it's going to come down to the fact of you know, from from our theological viewpoint, you know, what lens are we viewing the world? You know, so what is our worldview? And so as a church, you know, our worldview is that we are, um, you know, we are a church that is uh, founded on the, on the truth of Scripture. That God, every, you know, every bit of Scripture is God-breathed and it's true and, and God, you know, and it's profitable um, for teaching and reproof and, um, and correction and for training in righteousness, and it equips us for life. And so as we look at God's word, we say, well, God's word is, you know, um, very clear when it comes to what is best for us and for life and marriage, sexuality, gender, and all those topics. And so as scripture as our foundation, you know, scripture can then um, educate us and enlighten us on, um, you know, what God in, tells us is best for our lives. And and if we live according to those principles, then, you know, we're going to live the life we were created to live. Now, when it comes to how do I love my neighbor or how do I love my coworker who I'm friends with and, um, you know, maybe li- is living a lifestyle that I don't agree with. Um, but they've asked me to be part of, of, their, uh, of a ceremony or, or be part of an event um, that would fall outside of my worldview. You know, as a pastor, my recommendation on that would be to prayerfully seek God on, on, on that and on what that decision would be. And I think that comes down to an individual decision uh, as the Christian. Can I engage in that event and show them the love of Christ, but as Matt said very well earlier, as showing them the love of Christ at the same time, I'm also speaking truth. And so, um, you know, I'm not affirming a lifestyle, um, but just because I don't affirm somebody's lifestyle doesn't mean I can't still show them the love of Christ and be kind and 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 and, you know put my arm around somebody's shoulder and say, hey, I want you to know I love you, and I want to share with you what is best for you. So I I think a a lot of it's going to come down to an individual um, decision based on prayerful, um, uh, you know, prayerfully seeking God in that in in that decision, Um, but. In the culture context we live in today, I think that's a question that many of us are going to have to answer.
2: And I'll, I'll I'll just add at this point that it would involve a lot of conversations, right? Uh, it would involve conversations with the couple, uh, and if you knew both of them, obviously having that involve conversation with the individual. My particular case, it would involve conversation with some uh, folks who helped me to get a contract or not. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bypass that question. Uh, But I think, again, prayer, I think it it requires a lot of wisdom and insight. And uh, again, we got to wrestle with what love means Mm -hmm. in that context. And um, so, yeah, my wife and I just had that discussion uh, a week ago because (laughs) of a a couple that might be asking us to their wedding. So, um, yeah, I appreciate how how Drew answered that. And I'm going to kind of. That's enough for me on that one. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So Rob, if
1: that comes, let's grab a coffee. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <and talk. laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's good. a great question. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the hot button topic of our day. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Well, Matt, I got to say love having you on the podcast. Oh, I thank it. you for your thank wisdom. You. Thank you for your heart. And thank you for your commitment to train up the next generation of men and women who are going to faithfully follow Christ and shine the light of the gospel yeah. to the world.
2: Oh, I appreciate the prayers of the folks. If uh, they're willing to listen and, uh, yeah, thank you. Very yeah, we'll much for we'll have me. you on again. We'll really? have you on again. Next time I, we'll it talk was all
1: right? we'll, you know, we'll wait till it's toward the end of the NFL season and we can talk <laughs> about uh, how your Steelers <laughs> are holding in there. So well uh, Rob, I always enjoy doing this with you, brother. It's great. It, Thanks it, for it, coming it, by. It's a lot of fun. Hey guys, if you find yourself in Southwest Denver, we'd love to see you at Forefront Church. For more information, check us out at Forefront TV. Thank you for joining us here for the Forefront Church podcast. Jesus, be big in our lives, in our church, and in our world. God bless.